Welcome to BMP Weekly, episode 143. It is 15th of November, 2021. It is pretty soon, actually, Thanksgiving in US. So nothing happens after that, right? Uh, Where? In the US? In the US, yes. <laughs> a lot of things happen. No, just kidding. It's the, the work relation discussion, which is always that the deadline is by Thanksgiving, because nothing happens after that uh, since until the mid-January. Well, a lot of things happen between, but things are slowing down a bit, So, which is good. So. Anyway, cultural differences. I don't know why we went there. No idea. But Thanksgiving is coming soon, actually within next week, which is actually pretty cool. So um, wow, that is fast. Yeah, that's really cool. And the week after that, there's the uh, Dusseldorf uh, European Collaboration Summit. Crossing fingers, the, the COVID situation doesn't get worse in Germany. It does actually look pretty bad. So let's see if that will happen. Still have two weeks. Hopefully everything goes That will be harsh. That will be um, harsh to cancel event at this stage. True. But... But if it's a governmental-wide instructions, there's nothing you can do about that. Um, now, yeah. and a week after that, by the way, Las Vegas conference is happening as well. So the the collaboration, what what was that called? The M365 conference. Yeah. Yes, exactly, in the Las Vegas, where we have Jeff Deeper and Karu and many of the other people joining as well. And the flights between Europe and US are not going that well. There are flights, but flying over is a bit risky because you can get stuck on the US and not to get back on Europe. So that's why I'm not PMP Weekly, over. the show where you get weather advice, flight advice. And flight advice, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All within a one show. <laughs> and today we can have, to show, you have a look to stay on in <laughs> how to cook, uh, how to cook uh, reindeer. No, um, that's, that's actually... <laughs> that was random. <laughs> Of all the things you can cook, it's not like there's abundance of reindeer meat. Plus, our vegan audience, like you That's cannot true. just no, no, no. That fair point, fair point. Okay, so we need to we need to re. <laughs> okay, let's cancel that plan. So I guess we need to go to the articles and talk about <laughs> just like yes, let's what let's we actually stick to the things that first we, of all we know. In PMP Weekly, we always focus on Microsoft 365 platform um, and covering the developer topics, but not only that, uh, touching other areas as well. And we'll always typically at least have a visitor. Uh, this time we actually had Royna joining us from Nairobi and she's actually working in a Microsoft Craft uh, SDK team or Microsoft Craft um, Developer Experiences team, which is really, really cool. Really good discussion. We already did it just before this recording. But um, let's actually jump on that interview. Uh, well, actually, my name is Sasa Yuan and I'm a program manager in the Microsoft 365 platform. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? Hi, everybody. My name is Valdek Mastekas and I am M365 Cloud Developer Advocate at Microsoft. Excellent. I think now we're ready to jump into the interview with Troina. And Are then, you sure? Uh, Aren't there any, any other things you want to throw in? <laughs> Random other things. <laughs> okay, let's jump to the interview and then come back on the articles after that. So here we go. So welcome, Roina, uh, joining us on the BMP Weekly this week. Uh, really great to have you here to talk about your experiences, your career development, and, and you break in a bit of a different location as well than the typical PMs. And hopefully even more will get their PMs in, in your location. But can you talk about who are you and what are you doing for Lee? Thanks so much for having me, Rita Waldeck. I am Roina. I'm based in Nairobi. I always seem to have to say it's GMT plus three, but yeah, we are <laughs> right at the equator, like the equator passes through where I stay very closely and it's mostly tropical here and maybe a few rainy months, but mostly 25 degrees plus weather. So it's a really awesome and beautiful place to live in. So I'm currently a PM with the Microsoft Graph team, specifically developer experience. I work on the SDKs with my team and a lot of our priorities are around you know low friction tooling to help people integrate with m365 apps through the graph and i've been working at microsoft now for a year and two months i joined last year um late september so i just clocked a year two months now now you kind of know how the company works already and and it's did, you, did it, by the way, yeah. freak you out? Um, because I, I guess the, the coming yeah, to Microsoft yeah, is always, yeah. <laughs> I still remember when you're coming to Microsoft, you're like, oh my, but yeah. any, any good surprises scary. within a year? 
Well, I've worked with startups. Like, I'm very still early in my career. I've only been kind of like in the job scene for, I think, maybe six years now. And I throughout those whole six years, I was working with startups. So, yeah, it was intimidating walking into a company with, what, 100, 300,000 plus people. The biggest team I belonged in before that was like 150. And I was already like, yeah, there's a lot of people to talk to. So yeah. the dynamics were completely welcome different. to microsoft <laughs> <laughs> yeah they say welcome to microsoft but you really don't get it till you're actually yeah like the scope of even the projects you work on like yeah. um one of the places i used to work on before we had a logistics application and we had a huge celebration getting to a hundred to a thousand users and then i come here and one of our sdks has like 100k or 250k yeah. Users, so a it's minute, like right? A minute, a minute, a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing, but also the structure, like the structural aspect of being in a bigger company, like really trying to find out how you fit into the big picture. Yeah. That was definitely like intimidating, and I think it took many, many months for me to kind of see like what impact my specific role has in the bigger picture. But it's yeah. really interesting that there is a bunch of resources and there's like somewhere to start. So that was great for me. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So far, it's been pretty cool. It's been like learning some. Learning that you don't know something every day. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. It doesn't go away. I get to trust me. I know it doesn't go away. It just keeps. I, know, I, I never going. become an expert. I never yes. really get to know everything. I, I, it's like I, you think you figured it out, and then the next day you realize, oh, you, there, there's this other bit of things that you never really knew. Exactly. Yeah. So it's been fun. It's been exactly. fun so far. Yeah. yeah, I think the the one of the learnings which I actually wrote down in in the quick uh, tweet at some point I said with after 15 years is that don't be perfectionist, be improvenist. So basically, whatever you do, just keep on improving gradually and and go forward. But you can't be perfect. This is impossible. It's not even possible. Like that's the other thing. It, there's like a huge mindset shift, right? Like this is the first company I walked into where growth mindset was just like the first thing I had like from day one. And you know, having like a perfectionist fixed mindset really doesn't allow you to have a growth mindset. So that's something that I definitely had to switch my my thinking on. And I think it's been really beneficial because it's kind of like one of those things where even if you span through the unknown, if you're walking in, in a with a growth mindset, it just gets fun. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's well, that's something actually we've been talking pretty much uh, recently with Malek. Uh, is the is the one of the things around the growth mindset is that every now and then, of course, you get frustrated on oh, why can't they understand this idea and this is going to be huge, blah blah blah. But it's not necessarily the right time. So you need to push the train forward one step at a time until it is the right time for people to then understand the great idea. And that's yeah, that's a bit yeah. tricky for sure. Yeah, and like on the PM side, like coming from like the startup scene where rapid iteration meant that you could like switch an idea like any day, anytime you should be ready to let it go. It's kind of now that, yeah, you can iterate rapidly, but it has to be deliberate. And there is like a lot of relationship building that needs to happen before you pull something and it's cruise over a bunch of teams, right? Yeah. So in the startup scene, the impact is like really low. So you're able to just, you know, wake up in the morning and think that this could be great and try it. But yeah. the experimentation in this context and the iteration is like on a whole different level. Yeah. You don't want to um, experiment B. with SDKs. Sorry, Valdek. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. so, so the one thing, the one thing I wondered about because like I've been around at Microsoft for a year and a month, so we kind of share the same time frame. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wonder how you experience the um, dynamic of like being new and your team basically like keeping isolating you from the bigger Microsoft, like the huge company, and basically allowing you to do your job. And then the more you find your place, the more you become aware of the bigger, like different teams and different yeah. things and different things that interact with your thing and how that influence the planning and which is why you cannot pivot overnight because there are dependencies and you don't own everything unlike you yeah. do in small company, right? So how mm -hmm. did, did you experience that? Well, it was an interesting point for me to enter because when I came in in October, planning was starting and 
you know, our team was still trying to really flesh out how the planning process looks like, but at the same time, walking into the PM role and, you know, kind of like wanting to contribute to the planning process, the level of like historical information that lives in so many people's minds and is not even documented was the biggest challenge. Like, and, and that's just been something that we, we have to always keep trying to get better at. I was just never really into writing culture, like writing just the basic low level ideas or conversations around going, but now it's become like a staple essential thing to happen. And like during planning, it becomes even more intimidating because how do you determine what an high impact item for the next six months is going to be it when you don't really know the customer well enough or you don't even understand the business goals well enough. And you understand that the company has very clearly defined priorities, but breaking it down and like having to use relationships to find out your role in the big picture, that was the that was the craziest thing for me. Like six whole months, I was just like, okay. Yeah, uh, I, I, I who? get it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Who is who and who does what? And then it's also interesting because in uh, I'm in the Africa Development Center, right, which is its own individual site, which is a fairly new site, right? And so you have to orient yourself with what your site does and what your site contributes to the goal of the company. And then there is now your role within the M365 team and how that scales up to business goals. And then there's all these ERGs that are happening on the side that actually also contribute to bigger company goals like diversity and inclusion, and you have to position yourself there. And it's it, it it's not the conventional scope of work that I was used to, like in the startup scene. Your contribution would primarily be tied to the metrics of success that you are told to check off. But then this like really demands you to be like all rounded in terms of relationships, the goals, the metrics, the your your physical location and the site that you're in and how you contribute to that. So it's. It's a lot, but it's also really interesting because then it helps you zoom in on the unique challenges of your individual site. Because I am, I think I'm the only PM now in Nairobi who's working in the DevEx team. It used to be me and Betty, but um, she moved, so I'm the only one now. And it's kind of like, it's so easy to get detached from your contributions on your individual yeah. site and focus on your collaboration with the rest of the team that's like spread out. Yeah. So there's a lot of cool, interesting things there. Now, how does that actually work? Can you talk about a bit uh, on, um, like you said, you're the only PM right mm-hmm. now in the dev team and maybe there will be, hopefully there will be multiple uh, new people in the mm-hmm. future. Um, but how does that dynamics work with your team? So the rest of the team is partly, is it scattered in Canada, US, Europe, or how does it actually work? Yeah, big win for our team is that like we have Every, we have people in Latin America, we have someone in Brazil, we have a new PM in England now, and then we have a bunch of PMs in Redmond and, and also in Montreal in Canada. So we're pretty spread out. And I think it's, I onboarded when we were all working remotely. So I've never really actually met any of my colleagues in past, yeah. which is just like, you know, especially for this kind of role. <laughs> Like having to form connections with people that you've never actually physically met before. Yeah. I'm not going to say that it wasn't a challenge. And then also the time distance for me was definitely something to adjust because before I had people closer to my time zone, I had to like adjust to starting my work day in the afternoon so that I could go into the evening because that's the collaboration time is probably going to be between like 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. East African time. So the first couple of months was hard to adjust because then I have to actually have conversations with family and friends and I will do breakfast dates and not dinner dates anymore because I'm going to be working like in the evenings, right? And how the site here works is that there, it's kind of just like how most sites work, I think. Um, there's a bunch of teams from Identity, Aja, there's a research development team here. And there are very low 
there are very few places where all these teams interact. And we mostly interact when it comes to projects that are specifically tied to being in the sub-Saharan Africa region, which is like ERGs, volunteer gift campaign, that kind of stuff. We work together, but like yeah. teams are completely working in, uh, like are working on completely different things. So yeah, that's kind of how it looks like. And it's gotten a lot easier for our team now to collaborate across the time zones because there's just... I- a lot going on. Related on that one, because just to explain for the people who are watching or listening this, uh, so right now in my location in Helsinki, it's 2.20, uh, so 14 at uh, 20 past 2 in the afternoon. It's 20 past first, uh, 1 in Amsterdam. Uh, well, well, Baltic is calling in. Well, not technically from Amsterdam, but close to Amsterdam, right? Yeah. Whatever. Uh, it's 3.20 uh, in, in Nairobi right now. And in yeah. Richmond, it is now 4.20 a.m. So it's that's the interesting dynamics and exactly. was it a was it a big change for you to start working kind of a twisted hours on the evening uh, and moving your kind of a morning to be your yeah. personal time yeah yeah it's like i always thought that i was like a night owl but it turns out i'm really not because i'm way more productive in the morning <laughs> <laughs> i like to myself because uni makes you think that you enjoy staying up till 2 a.m and yeah. and then when you get there, then you realize, no, I really don't like it. I'd rather be asleep right now. <laughs> yes. So yeah. <laughs> it was a big change. And and I am way more productive in the morning. So it's it's kind of good because my quiet time is in the morning, yeah. which means that no meetings, no human interaction interrupts my workflow. So that's really fun. But then the intensity of how much human interaction you have to have in the evening, when yeah. it's typically the time when you're supposed to be winding down, that yeah. is like a shock to my system. Like I have to be up and awake and energetic at around 7, 8, 9 p.m. Yeah, it's taken a little getting used to, but I, I, I it's yeah. like, yeah, it's much better now, I think. And I think one of the big, at least for me, the key challenges still is that how do you wind down after the working so basically as you, you work pretty late uh, <laughs> you, you can't just go to sleep because it, you that doesn't, don't it's just impossible it's it's no. just you, you can't. don't wind down you just keep going i mean like on my team i have <laughs> colleagues in hawaii and australia True. i could just keep going like there's somebody awake somewhere yes. Yes, yes. And they will be awake. I haven't figured out the winding down too, because I think I also got into this rut of, I really do enjoy reading as a hobby, but I found myself reading only information that was contributing to my role at some point. And that was just like a completely different thing. Like I want to read comics, but then I'm like, I could be using this reading time to read up on like customer focus. And the winding down thing is something I'm still struggling with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's also so I guess I guess an interesting thing, right? Because like I have exactly very much the same challenge where I'm like, I have so many things I want to learn, but on the other hand, I also acknowledge that occasionally, like I will like totally disconnect from all of the work. Like I will walk or watch a movie, play a game, and it's like, and mm-hmm. then you will get this part like. Aha, uh-huh, because you connect the dots in a way you couldn't do it earlier because you were so very much focused in this little yeah. box of here and now, here and now, here and now. And then you will try something else, something different, create the space in your head for this new connection. Like, why didn't I think of this earlier? And you yeah, didn't because yeah. you were busy. So yeah. you need to really create the dis- like, like That is the one thing that at some point... Uh, and I guess that, that was for me the time when I stopped billing hours and my job would change to basically be more like our work is now. It's focused on impact and not activities. Like mm. the thought that taking the time to think is my work. Like I don't need to do type on keyboard to work. Mm. Like mm-hmm. taking a time to sit and stare out of the window and think, going for a walk and think. That is also work. And that it it doesn't always feel okay because like no no like you gotta be you 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 have these tasks you have things yeah. to do you gotta you you gotta go and it's like no no no, no. like you we need, need to, to take like time. We, why do why does it not feel okay though like that's the yeah problem that's a good question me. that is a good yeah question. why does because like, I'm used I, to shipping I'm used it. to shipping and picking up boxes like <laughs> yes. I did this I did I, that and like and I think it's I it's partly thought. also because of our potential academic way how people are being thought and yes. told how working is being done, which is not yeah. take a break, 
walking outside with the dogs and think about it and then all of a sudden it's okay but but exactly. that's not what is being told in universities um, as a working thing so yeah and believe it or not like the work culture in Nairobi is also still very traditional right like you you, you get in you clock in you crunch the numbers you grin and bear it till 5 p.m. and then you transform into this person who sees color after five. and so now this is like a whole different situation and because even like with my parents like talking about like fully working from home or even working with tech startups in Nairobi and walking to the office in jeans and converse and like for them now it was just like how do you go to work like that you yeah. mean you can work what, from what do you mean like work three? is that work you call this work exactly. yeah exactly <laughs> Exactly. And now when a player like Microsoft comes in and it's like, oh, hybrid workplace, hybrid work hours, it's still so new and people just don't understand how you're going to be able to be as productive as you can be by giving people more flexibility over their time. It's like yeah. for us to get people to be more productive, the traditional way has been to have more control over the time that you're paying them for. And now yeah. it's opening up and I think there's like also a mental shift that's happening in the workforce here around I don't really need to be overextending myself to be productive. I can take this time to recenter myself and that will make me drive impact even more. But yeah, I think maybe having an engineering background as you said, Waldeck and shipping, that shipping mentality and press, crossing off activities definitely plays a huge role right now. Yeah. Yeah, and also the mindset changed like there was a huge thing for me new um being new at microsoft impact versus activities mm. i used to do activities i used to do a lot because then back at the end of the day i would look back and say hey i've done these 20 million things and they're done and they're ticked off and i have things to show for them whereas yeah. i was like huh like you could spend like no one cares how much you do yeah. as long as at the end you can say like we changed, like we made a dent. We yeah. have changed something meaningful way. Yeah. And you can yeah. do it with little work or you can do it with a lot of work. Yeah. And then yeah. And it's you, like, like, so what? Find yeah. this high impact thing, yeah. Exactly. Like I've, that's the one thing that I always have to ask myself, like even in day-to-day -day tasks, it's like, so what? So I sat in this session and then, so what? What's, what's this actually going to lead up to? And yeah, that's a whole new dynamic for me too, because you used to get these golden stars for doing like gold star on your forehead for doing like 90 things. And you're like, Hey, I'm killing it as a professional right now. And yeah. And I was like, <laughs> so what? Yeah. So what? <laughs> So I did yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really awesome. Now, um, let's uh, change a bit the dynamics. I want to go back slightly back on the on your historical, let's say, growing up to be a, a Microsoft employee. So can you talk about a bit your university? So you were in the Strathmore University and then yeah. your actually background around leading communities for Google Cloud. <laughs> yeah, so actually, I I wasn't my my entry into like computer science was very influenced by the fact that my dad is also a developer. So I just like I liked the whole vibe of like just being around geeky people. So it was pretty straightforward for me when I was selecting my course and then to Strathmore. Um, the computer science course was very intense in that. There was a lot of mathematical context that I didn't get because I chose to do a diploma in business and IT instead of doing like a diploma in math. So for some time, I was really like in the clouds, but um, the easiest way for me came from learning through community, right? Like the early stage stuff was nobody has it figured out. And these are new technologies that have landed on the continent and people want to build Android apps or people want to build mobile apps. And this is technology that we're all trying to explore together. So for me, community really ended up being the place where I could come in and present a little snippet of information that I learned from a session or from a, from a podcast. And then I would just be able to reaffirm my knowledge in that topic. And so that's how I kind of ended up doing like, I don't know what we call it dev advocacy, but Google developer groups came to Nairobi and they got a bunch of people in universities across Kenya. And it was really like, hey, here's a bunch of resources. At this point, 
because um, the perception on, yeah, okay, maybe it wasn't a perception. Internet coverage in Kenya was not very great. Like maybe more urban areas like Nairobi would have great internet. So they'd actually ship you boxes and boxes of CDs with like videos. Yeah. 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 Like little wow. videos with like, here's how to get started on GCP. Here's how to get started on, on you know, Android Studio. And so you would have to like do that and figure out how to distribute it and then have meetups around it. And I did this from like my second year of uni all the way to my final year of uni. And by the time I was in my mm. final year of uni, I was like the lead for Nairobi, which was like a whole different dynamic then because we're talking communities of up to like 15,000, 20,000 developers. And we're talking like 80% of them are beginner, um, 10% are intermediate, and maybe the other, no, actually 15% are intermediate, and then like 5% really experts. So the distribution on who could train who was was a major challenge, but I think there have been so many great stories around what it's meant to people's careers to be a part of a community where they could pop in and ask the simplest of questions. Like, here's a snippet of what's going on in my life. Somebody help me. And people come in and they swoop in and it becomes a really conducive, you know, conversation. So I think at this point I was fully doing backend development did a little bit of mobile, but I was fully, fully into writing Java and a known language called Scala. And uh, mm-hmm. I was geeking out on it. Like, I felt like such a badass at that point. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, you'd be like, no, you guys are still writing C-sharp. Have you tried Scala? Yeah, you know, you're always throwing it out. Any opportunity you get, you talk about Scala. So fortunately, community also was the reason I ended up getting like my first job because my employer was in the audience of a talk I was that giving. That happens quite often, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it does because I've also had like so many people got like their first, first approached by their employees or like recruiters through community presentations and events. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, think, I think community really kind of gives back as much as it seems like you're not really getting actively rewarded like monetarily for your contribution. Like I've, I am like a living testament that it, it's given me a lot of opportunities to position myself and where I'm at in my career right now. So then after that, did backend a little bit, but like really focused on like developer relations stuff. She's when I was working with Africa Stalking. It was such a great travel opportunity. I was just like, I can't even imagine if this, I would have never wanted to be DevRel if during COVID, because like DevRel at that point was this group. Alex, what are you doing for a living? Alex is like, uh, (laughs) I am rearranging my plans now. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly so busy. Yeah, but it was a globe trotter kind of thing. It was like, always have a suitcase packed really meet people yeah. all across Africa. Also got me like some global exposure because I spent some time in San Francisco doing DevRel for the company I was working on at the, uh, at the time. And DevRel is also just like a great place to get a feel of which avenue you want to go into because I would have never gotten into PM if I hadn't really gotten that perspective of the factors that go into planning and scoping projects. So yeah, it's it's... It's been like up down, but then at the same time, I always see that this PM role that I'm in is a good conglomerate of everything, right? Like I have to tap into the devil inside. I have to tap into some of my engineering capacity. And then I also now have to build that PM muscle because I've only been a PM for like, what, three years now? Yeah. 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 And I guess maybe also on that, I, I think that there are also two aspects to being a PM, right? Like, what does it mean to be a PM? And you can you can do your work and tick the boxes, or you can think about, okay, what can I do more to maximize the impact that I make? Mm-hmm. And that will then involve your DevRel experience, engineering experience, which, which are not necessarily a prerequisite for a PM, but they do matter once you want to do more and reach more with the work you already do. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's a great point because also it's, just all those experiences and then also bringing new experiences 
a developer in sub-Saharan Africa or like a woman in tech in sub-Saharan Africa. It really plays like a direct role in the day-to-day tasks that I do because, I mean, like when it comes to the dynamics of being like a woman in tech in Africa, there is a lot of like moving parts. There is like a lot of bias and we're still very early stage in like breaking down the walls that really bring in the inclusivity of women within conversations with, you know, companies like, uh, like Microsoft, but it's, it's, it's way, way better than it was when I was like in uni, because it seems now that there is like deliberate effort into including women. And some of the weird things that we used to have to do during community was we would never like if we were having like in-person meetups we would like actually have to facilitate earlier meetups like between 3 3 p.m and 5 p.m for women because women wouldn't come for meetups that were after seven because it probably wasn't going to be safe or women who had children needed to be home by 6 p.m to be able to be there so it's just like little things that really made a difference in terms of like bringing in more women into this space just those little considerations and also just stuff like having women be the people to lead certain initiatives really made a difference because then it was really important to have you know, see somebody go through the track that you're on. You're early stage, you haven't figured out what your path looks like, but you see somebody who also had maybe some similarities in either their background or either their educational background or their family background that made it to a stage that's like way, way ahead of you. Yeah, it made you think that it's actually possible. Yeah, because exactly. you, right. you, yeah, hearing it from a dude, it's like, yeah, of course it's yeah, possible. Yeah, but it's it's different. Yeah. And, and, and coming back, and, yeah. and we've yeah. gone a strong way on this journey, but there's still a lot to be done in the US and in Europe and in, mm-hmm. and, and in Africa and across the world. But I, until we are in a full equality, because that's, that's the ultimate goal for sure. Uh, getting there one step at a time, again, if you're being a perfectionist, you will get frustrated and angry. And, but if you're a improvingist, mm-hmm. One step at a time, we'll push this forward until where we are there, hopefully. So, and yeah. having examples like you really, truly matters because then there's an example for the younger audience and, and the, the, the people who try to find, okay, so who can I follow? Who's the, who's mm. the people? Are you, yeah. just out of curiosity on that um, particular topic, are you uh, explicitly, is there a mentoring models uh, in Africa? Is that a thing in Africa? Mm. Are you kind of uh, helping then the younger people to join on Microsoft or how, how is it nowadays for you? Or are you way too busy on, on dealing with the Microsoft stuff? Well, I think the one thing that I've really enjoyed about like my time at Microsoft is that like the company is so aggressive with the Give campaign. And, you know, like I give my mentoring through the Give campaign. So there's like a bunch of women-led mentorship programs like the Techstars program. I think it's called Techstars. Yeah. They have a mentorship program where they have like monthly meetups where they bring in even like lawyers in tech or um, every kind of background in tech. And so I contribute actively there. But within the ADC also, there are like avenues to help coach upcoming professionals or newer people in the market on how to get hired in Microsoft. So that's also something that I try to actively participate on. And then also, I mean, like, I think in our own individual capacities, just having like regular conversations or like really positioning yourself in places where women are having these conversations becomes really important because of just perspective, right? Because yeah. um, there was like a trend going on in Twitter of like Microsoft came into Nairobi and poached all the great talent and gave them you know, great insurance and great money. And now all the startups are shriveling and dying. And it's kind of like, you have to, you know, you have to see it from the inside where people are getting way more deliberate about the kind of companies they want to work with. And, you know, the, the poaching thing is like a difficult one to go around because people choose to be in the companies that they, that they, exactly. that they choose to be in. Exactly. exactly. If you want to work in a startup, you can. And yeah. you will choose to work in a startup. So there's the entry of yeah. like really big players within sub-Saharan Africa that's bringing up really interesting conversations around the impact of companies like Microsoft being in Nairobi. And what is Microsoft positioned in Nairobi for 
you know, because our legal system isn't even that developed enough to protect us from exploitation. I don't know. There's so many like conspiracy theories around why is Microsoft here? <laughs> why is Google here? Why yeah. is Facebook here? Like everybody is like, and so it's an interesting and fun time to just position ourselves in those conversations. Now, related on that one, I want to ask, we, we talked about this one before I started the recording as well, is that how do you how do you see us to improve our presence in Africa? So so as an example, Waldeck is active in community, we are leading the community activities, you're actively involved in community goals and all that stuff, but how do we reach to a more broader audience? Is, is there a tips for us to take into account, or in general in IT, how do we take advantage of the mm. massive potential in Africa as a, mm. as a whole? Well, from my experience, even the community, Africa's innovation is very problem-led. Like, people are not going to sit and innovate for, you know, for fun. It's going to be like we identified a source spot, and now we have to come in and solve for it. So when it comes to even determining which tools to use, it's like what's going to be the lowest barrier of entry considering, like, how much the product costs for us to actually just get something going. So yeah. I am, I've had conversations with communities that have tried to position themselves in, in, in Nairobi, and it's more of like coming with that perspective of problem-led innovation, right? Give us use cases where, you know, people have used this product to solve similar problems, and we can take that and run and customize that based off of the ecosystem we exist in. So I feel like as much as we do try to standardize content, and we do try to have like a broad audience of content, certain regions have are more receptive to certain types of it's conversations. Yeah. 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 So I think that's one thing we might be able to want to add a little bit more diversity on, right? Like Absolutely. approach our content or approach kind of like how we present our products in a very deliberate way when it comes to the African market. It's also that there have been many companies that have positioned themselves in Africa to have for Africa projects, right? So Correct. that kind of shows that the African region is being led, is, is being handled differently from the rest of the world, right? And that's, I think, something I've heard a lot from developers in that my development journey is not going to be necessarily different because of my region, but why are my resources limited or cultured according to that, right? So it's something right. like accessibility on the docs. It's, yeah. or yeah, it's 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 just the little things where as much as we're trying to be very sensitive about the region, I think for developers, having just like an understanding of all the use cases incorporated into the product itself makes it look like, yeah, the product was built for where I'm from too. And yeah. it like the stuff that's for me is not separate or like a, a charity project on the side that I have to yeah. do with. And maybe also so related that you mentioned at some point that Devro originally was like living outside suitcase or yeah, out of suitcase and traveling mm -hmm. across the world. Now, obviously, we cannot do it now. I'm mm -hmm. in the Devro world. So I kind of like, yes, I cannot do that, but I need to do something, right? So mm -hmm. what would be, how could we engage with communities that are very much regionally based online mm -hmm. now? Because I, I believe that they have still a need to learn more, to engage more with peers who aren't there. But on the other mm. hand, are they online and where are they for us to mm. um, find them? I think we're yeah. just putting Royna on the billion dollar question spot. So <laughs> tell us, how do we solve this? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, I, I be like off record, please stop the recording. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think that they are online. The only thing, like even for me who is on the ground, who has actively been in communities for like the past seven, eight years, there are little, little subsets of developers that I haven't even like gotten to tap into. Like me starting to write Scala or like me starting to learn very specified technologies, there haven't been a lot of like in like standardized moderated communities where people can exist in, right? But th I think this is where like the value of engaging with like people in the site here will be. Like ADC itself, every every person who's either in the engineering org, like just as I said in the beginning of the ecosystem starting to grow, 
community really was the place where you could go and get skills. So I think if you cast a wide net and even pick like randomly developers in the ABC, they will tell you of communities that they belong to that have helped right. them within their, their development journeys. And they're, they get very specified. So it will be like someone who did Java, but specifically for gaming. And that's like its own little community on the side somewhere in the corner. And you'd be a Java dev, but you'll never get to know that there's like a little community there. So it's kind of like right. very on the ground kind of stuff. And it's very, um, it's very intensive in terms of like you can't sleep on it because it's evolving so fast. There's so much mm -hmm. investment in the VC space coming into Africa. So things are moving so fast. So if you just like disengage from community, even for like a month or so, stuff will have happened and you will have no idea where it came right. from. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very attention seeking here. It's like everybody, you need to be very involved and engaged consistently. And and so that then that converts it's just just elaborating a bit on that. So that would basically mean that rather than trying to forcefully introduce a new communities and this is the only new thing and coming here, mm -hmm. embrace what's already regionally available and then try to get the connections with those people and and therefore help them to be successful in their community building. So exactly, exactly, exactly. That's exactly because so many people have come in and tried to put their roots as new communities and it yeah. has failed like belly flopped. So it's better to just use the existing communities and they are always very receptive to seeing big players actually recognizing their existence and really being interested in the kind of the stuff they're trying to solve yeah. for. It yeah. to be fair, it makes perfect sense. They they put their own blood and tears and sweat on building the community and rather than exactly. introducing a competing one, just let's embrace what's already available. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. but yes, with that is like like that is a to like to build a community, I think is a typical example of consistency versus intensity. You mm -hmm. don't just show up and hey, we have community and you go there and you drop yeah. after a week or a month. You yeah. have to Show up. Basically, I know if if you recall a while back, there was this video of a concert, right? And there was this one person who would dance, and everyone's like, "Who is this dude?" And then mm -hmm. after a while, it was two people, and then seven, mm -hmm. and then ten, and then this massive group dancing. But it always starts with with this one random person exactly. and just exactly. pushing through it. Like like yeah. first there is no one there, and you keep doing your stuff, and then there's two people like, "Hey, you showed up, buddy!" And you keep yeah. going, and you keep going. Yeah, it takes effort, right? Yeah, it does. It does. And it's a slow burn because, like, again, those routes for a huge majority of professionals in Kenya and Africa right now are just built off community. Like, at some point, you find people, there's people stop going to college and we're like, oh, all I have to do is like two or three boot camps and be in this Slack in this Slack community and I'm going to learn all I need to learn. Then you hear massive success stories of how this guy came yeah. from you know, first year to being hired in a Fortune 500 company from community resources and two boot camps. So a lot of people heard yeah. those stories and and community has just been reinforced like that. So it's that slow burn of consistency, as you said, and also the stories that come from being actively engaged in the community. I think the art of storytelling has been so instrumental so the more stories you can tell around the impact, the more the community grows. The less stories, the less actual stories that are coming out, then a lot of communities dwindle down because we're not really vocalizing those stories. Yeah. Okay. Really good. Now, um, there would be so many questions to talk about more on this one. <laughs> I, I want to ask one thing related on your current role um, and mm -hmm. um, the, the, let's say the future steps. So you you lead the, the SDK planning uh, in, in certain uh, of certain amount of the SDKs in the Microsoft Graph. Anything mm -hmm. interesting before we close related on what are we actually what are you investing right now? What are the next um, upcoming things which you potentially can talk about? NDA, NDA. Yeah, there's no NDA. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to tell this to anybody. We're just <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean. I, yeah, with NDA in mind, I think the most interesting thing for me right now is our project Kyoto. And I think for the longest time, the conversation that we've been having, at least in my time here, is 
the depth of a breath kind of conversation? Do we go really deep functionally in terms of the SDKs or do we cast our net wider in terms of like the breadth of the API that we're covering? And I don't think it has to be mutually exclusive and we're just now getting to the sweet spot with Kyoto where we can onboard more APIs within the SDKs quicker, but then we can also really think very strategically about what features will actually provide value per language, right? We've tried to provide a consistent experience across the SDK, but there's so much value that we're, we're not giving to developers based off of their specific tool sets, right? So we're just talking about like PHP and we're like, what's the next best step for the PHP SDK? And we realize that, yeah, we can invest a lot of time in bringing the feature depth or breadth consistent with what JavaScript looks like, but we are investing a lot more in having conversations with developers to figure out what are the actual features that will make sense for this specific language. And yeah. now that our, our, our SDKs are going to be going into a new generation process, that's going to make it a lot easier for us to have a lot more control over what we put out there. And so now we have we start having all the fun conversations with community where we really dig deep into what their problem areas are so that we can reduce the friction and we start building out a more consistent story and we actually start having communities, language-based communities for the graph because then that helps us also optimize how we provide help and content and assistance to specific subsets of our users. So it's like a lot going on in regards to trying to find out the user needs, but then there's also real investments going into making sure that when we do get that feedback, we can action it in a time-effective way and it's actually providing value and impact to customers. So that's like really exciting because it's going on consistently across all the SDKs. So we're hoping we're 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 still now in the planning process for the next for the next half of the year on the financial year, and so I think by build there's gonna be like a bunch of really exciting new uh, announcements Ooh. from the SDK yes. team. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah, that sounds really good. And we can't talk about the details in there, understandably. So we're still, yeah. it's too early to promise. And, and the challenge is always immediately when I start teasing and speculating, then somebody takes that as a promise. And then, no, it wasn't a promise. We were just speculating. Yeah, that. we were and, saying so. stuff. We were having <laughs> exactly. a conversation amongst exactly. them. <laughs> exactly have any any more specifics now yeah. we could have gone clearly much longer and um, but given the time we're trying to squeeze always the discussions in a in a one hour together uh, with there's going to be some article coverage as well uh, from last week but i think that's pretty much sums up the discussion what we're intended to have so really really cool to hear how, how things are going on the on africa side and how the dynamics work across the really diverse organization as well and a lot of good ideas related on the on how to improve the diversity in the community as well. So we certainly need to work on all of this stuff together. And it's great to have you actually, Royna, in Microsoft as well. So thank yeah, you for being here. Um, and thank you for joining us uh, for the discussion. Really, chat. Thank you so much. I enjoyed myself. Cool. Thank I think you. that's it. Uh, so thank you, Royna. And, and we'll be certainly in touch. And hopefully we can get you invited again on the show within a year or so or whatever. Yeah, so. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I'd love to. We'll definitely do that. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Well, that's will make thank sure you. of it. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Taking notes. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Cool. So that was really good discussion, a really interesting uh, discussion with Royna. Um, and I, I think there's a lot of lot of interesting opportunities on the on the Africa as a whole as we are growing the presence uh, or growing the the IT communities and and IT development experiences in Africa as well. I think it's it's really interesting for Europeans. It's actually pretty much on the same time zone, which is actually really interesting yeah. as well. It's actually, now that I'm thinking that, at least in my mindset, Nairobi is more on the west than Helsinki, but then they are one hour off uh, than us. I don't know, but it's just mindset. I'm trying to draw the map. I need to check this out in there. I think they're more aligned with uh, Portugal in that yeah, no, no. same. They're plus three. So they're even one hour later than in Helsinki. Oh, right. Huh. Yes. Which is an interesting bit. The other way. Again, yes, the other so way. Around, time sorry. zones yeah. are really yeah. interesting. And uh, the, the winter time, summertime, and all of that stuff is mixing up things because some countries do that and some don't. Anyway. Geography so, is hard. 
It is, it is, for sure. Uh, <laughs> now, but let's actually jump into this week's articles. Uh, so some stuff from Microsoft and some stuff from the community as well. Not that many many articles again this week, uh, I, especially for Microsoft, because it's week after Ignite. Uh, and I know for a fact that a lot of the people took some time off uh, because the Ignite was such a big planning event and delivery event as well. But let me actually share my screen and let's go through some of the announcements because we did actually have a really, really big general availability announcement. We ran last uh, week ago on Monday. Drum roll. Viva Connections is now generally available. And more specifically, Viva Connection and mobile uh, is now generally available. Uh, so technically the platform uh, of the uh, Viva Connection Adaptive Cards was already G8 a few weeks ago, and now the mobile experiences, which are basically building these uh, adaptive cards, are also in the mobile experiences, is G8, which is really, really cool. And the video, by so the way, here in is... Other words, in other words, all Viva Connections is now generally available. Yes, all Viva Half Connections are generally available. Correct, correct. So. Viva Connection can be divided into things, desktop and a mobile. And uh, desktop went kind of a GA earlier on. It we've been evolving that, and now the the mobile went to GA as well. And it introduced features and capabilities also for the desktop experience. So like the the feed and then the dashboard web parts. So you can actually use them directly in the desktop experience, which will then combine kind of the best of both worlds. So really, really cool. Um, and we also introduced uh, or uh, already promoted a lot of the partners who are now rolling out their solutions to the store. Um, there's a bit of a, let's say, downside on this one. Still, you cannot find in the, in the app source or in the store, you cannot find actually Viva Connection. Uh, which is a bit of a thing, uh, a challenge, so we, which we're working on internally. Um, right now, you find all of the adaptive card components on the SharePoint store, which is hey, technically kind of correct, but it's a bit of misleading as well. So it's a positioning. ELDR, we're working on it. It will be exactly. improved, right? It will be better in the future. For the sure. most important Absolutely. part. Exactly. One step at a time. One step at a time. Like we talked exactly. with uh, Roy now on, on gradual improvements uh, is, is the key. But a lot of cool stuff available. And like I said, we had also the dashboard web part uh, and then uh, the feed web part now available in the Viva desktop. So really, really cool stuff. This is now available for anybody to take use in their production. That's the key. And you can extend it, right? So it's not just the yes. fixed experience you get from us. Yes, correct. So that's, again, really to be clear on that. This is extendable. You can uh, introduce not only with those cards which are coming from the partner, you can build your own custom cards. If you're a partner who looks into the building something here, you can do that. You can put it in store. Um, you can build LOB extensibility on it. So you can do web parts. You can do application extensions and this ACE card. So really, really uh, flexible. What is the best way sure. to learn how to start? What's available? What tool, which tools to use? The mindset, the experience you need to have? What's the best way to learn about that? The best way of actually learning any of this is really to use the, the learning pathways, uh, so which is actually in here, AKMS M365 dash dev dash learn dash connections. So if I actually open up this one, uh, we can say to extend Microsoft Viva Connections uh, learning path, uh, which is really walking through what the Viva Connection is all about, uh, and then the three different extensibility options which are available. And this is really well done. So really detailed steps on how to enable the Viva Connection and how to, how can you then extend that. I like actually the components in here because they're, even though they're simple, but they still show the extensibility options and they're all linked between each other. So really good job on that wall deck. So points on that. So cool. Uh, now moving on on other articles, uh, we have Microsoft uh, Tech Community Live, uh, Microsoft Viva Edition coming up today. If you're watching this on Tuesday uh, 16th of November, when this podcast or listening, when this podcast and video is actually going to go live. So um, this is basically having three, di four different three or four, you know, math is hard, uh, four different hours where we will have four different topics where we're concentrating. So uh, scenarios overview, preparing our environments, deployment and adaption, and then partners and extensibility. And then um, you can join on the on the AMA, ask questions, and we'll answer to those questions. So please take advantage of this uh, so we can actually well, have more of these events also in the future, because if there's a demand, we'll do that. If nobody is really interested, there's no point for us of doing that. So, um, but if there's any questions. Yeah. Join. yeah, to add to that, so two of us will be there live along with other experts from yes. product groups. So if you want to know if you are 
a partner and you're curious, you want to learn more about what can you do, what is the what is available, what tools do you need, how do you start? These are all questions for you to ask us live and you will get answered instantly. So this yep. is really a great place for you to join, uh, come and, and basically spend a little time and learn as much as you can within as little time time as as you can directly from people who build the product in a way. Yep, that is true. That is absolutely true. So really cool stuff for sure. So moving on the on the other areas. It'll be a uh, quiz, so, right? At the end. Yeah, <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> you need to pass this quiz. Now, uh, something really cool, uh, which we announced actually last week, I announced uh, that we're growing our Microsoft 365 community team. Uh, so our Microsoft 365 PMP community team. And this team is basically, well, not basically, this team is responsible of Microsoft 365 platform community efforts. So in GitHub, uh, in YouTube, in social media, um, and basically coordinates individual uh, projects as well. So ACE development samples, uh, controls, uh, there's so many options and things which are actually doing power platform samples, all of that stuff. And the cool thing here is that we are extended the team with nine new members. Uh, one of the, these people are coming from Microsoft, and that's Natalie. And then eight of them are community members. Uh, because we really, really, truly think, like like mentioned in the blog post, is that the best way of building community is that we're building the community together with the community members, so with our MVPs. So that way we have the the... We, as a Microsoft, we have a touch on the reality as well. So connection to the real world, right? So we're not just <laughs> Microsoft people coming up with a random ideas. But uh, we want to, uh, one more time, welcome everybody. Uh, welcome uh, uh, Chida, uh, Shao, and Natalie, and Derek, uh, Joel, uh, Rick, uh, Stefan, Tetua, and then Thomas. So really, really cool uh, to get to be more people involved on the community. Uh, efforts and of course take advantage of our community assets and efforts because um, there's already six, more than 600 samples available and all of that uh, for list formatting web parts teams development power platform there's so much available so don't adaptive start card extensions adaptive card extensions viva connections yeah all of that stuff is available now, uh, we also had a one community uh, blog uh, matching the locked in user in Canvas app with the person column in SharePoint. So basically how to do mapping in the Power Apps Canvas application with the person column in SharePoint. So making that uh, connection to match uh, if you're using SharePoint as the storage uh, in storage platform for the Power App, uh, which is the most widely used storage platform for sure, at least for now. So really good stuff for sure. Thank you, Carmen, on that one. Now, uh, we also had a collaboration on Loop, preparing Microsoft Loop and the collaborative Canvas. Uh, we touched the, the Microsoft Loop last time in the, in the last PMP Weekly um, uh, with the Darrell's uh, video. That was a pretty ad hoc uh, jump on the video. And, and here's a, a blog post from Rebecca, uh, basically explaining the different options and, and what is it all about and where we're heading and all of that. So really, really cool stuff for sure. Uh, Mark uh, D. Anderson had a cleaning up content types orphaned from the content type hop. Um, and how do we clean up leftovers, so to say, uh, using PMP PowerShell? Uh, PMP PowerShell is for sure the easiest way to manipulate anything, especially in SharePoint Online. Um, but it actually has also Microsoft Teams extensibility options and all of that available in it. So really, really cool stuff. Future reference uh, blog post for sure. Uh, Wartmanner had a blog post related on building a Microsoft Teams bot, deep linking in the Teams message from adaptive cart button. So basically, when we're noting those uh, or adding this, well, there's a, a good clarification here. Uh, we're pushing an adaptive cart. How do I find, how do we do deep linking? How do we format the link in a way that it's pointing out to an individual message uh, and then it opens up in Teams, which is really, really cool. Now you can actually do that. Liam, clearly, I can't. Sorry, Liam. I'm one, so one, day. One, yes. one, one day, <laughs> one day is going to happen. Yeah. I'm going to stand so in the front the of the mirror until the, I will get it. <laughs> My tongue just can't. <laughs> uh, using, the graphics for, <laughs> using the graphics floor to help execute craft PowerShell comments. So how do we use the, the Craft Explorer UI to understand how do we form and then and create the craft PowerShell commands. So really cool uh, blog post as well. Uh, he's been doing an awesome job on explaining the Microsoft Craft PowerShell SDK and how to add, start using that uh, from a scripting perspective and automation perspective. Really, really cool stuff. 
And then Cameron uh, had a uh, really cool uh, blog post related on how to set up Teams and Microsoft 365 for streamlined knowledge sharing session, aka lunch and learn or brown back. So how do we how do we do how do well? This is more a not a technical nuances, but more on ideas for a companies to take advantage. So in Microsoft, we we quite often actually have a lunch and learn uh, events where we talk about how to do things and how to how to enable things or ideas together with the unattended. So really cool stuff as well. So working through individual options and the solution design of what they're using within their company. So really, really cool stuff. Now, this is a, a really new uh, video series from Paolo, uh, which we, we created together with Microsoft. Uh, so which is around building partner offerings with Azure AD, secured multi-tenant APIs, and Viva Connection Adapter Cards extension. Really, really descriptive title uh, for the, <laughs> for yeah. the like, playlist. So but, what do you do exactly? <laughs> so if you are a partner who's building Viva Connection Adaptive Cards, and you have a centralized service, which you want to expose as a multi-tenant API, how do you make right. that design available? So that's basically for any existing SaaS uh, partner, a SaaS provider. How do I expose my uh, experiences using the ACs in the Viva Connection? That's what this video series well, is all about. I think so. I think it is SaaS. It is for ISVs. But I also hear many companies who have different tenant on Azure than they have uh, sure. in 365. So they kind of have this cross-tenant boundary even yes. though they are within the same company. And then there are also companies who consist of multiple subsidiaries who are independent companies. Yeah. We have mergers. Absolutely. So Absolutely. this is really a, it originates from very much the SaaS idea, but but sure. in reality, it applies to it works in many other companies areas. across the board. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You're 100% correct. So and this is basically a reference solution which we created for this purpose, which is, and it actually talks about how do you create the Azure function, how do you secure the Azure function in the right way, or the web API, which is hosted in Azure AD. So whenever the ACE is calling that, how do you detect who's calling, uh, and how do you do that in a secured way? So it's really intended to be a reference implementation for customers and partners on building these kind of scenarios. So really cool stuff. Uh, plug post on this one is coming soon as well, but that's the videos where I pushed out the videos earlier today, so I wanted to mention that. And there is also code, right? At the end, and there's, there's also code. code. So here's yes, uh, we have an existing uh, solution available, which is basically using DSS. And and one of the cool things here is that it's actually is also you are able to modify the information. So it's not just an ACE, which is giving a showing you information, but you can actually use the the quick view in the mobile experience to modify information which is backed by yeah. the API. And that's really really cool as well. So, and walking that through and having the documentation, how to set it up. And this is actually available for really easy installation to any tenant in the world. So we're even hosting a sample API. So you can just put the SPPKT file in and demonstrate and do some storytelling how to make things happen in any tenant, which is really, really cool. Cool. And then uh, related, uh, Paolo has been really active for this video. About not done last week, but still now it's published. Uh, but Paolo is actually continuing his uh, release of uh, ACE guidance um, and uh, the the BSS tech points. So uh, consuming third-party APIs uh, with SPFX ACEs, which aligned with that topic a bit. So how do I actually do that? No. By coincidence. <laughs> actually, it is by a coincidence. From a timing perspective, it is by coincidence. So yeah. it's so that's a great video as well. And then we wanted to promote our Wednesday session this week. Um, so we're releasing this um, blog uh, video and podcast on 16th, Tuesday and Wednesday 17th. We actually have a specific session where we're going to talk about uh, uh, get started on extending Viva Connection with you, Aldek, uh, in this free right. virtual event. Can you talk about a bit on the events? You are one of the organizers. Yeah, correct. Here. So, so that event is a part of the uh, Dutch Information Worker User Group, Dievug, and it is in the Netherlands. But we will be presenting online in English. So, if you want to join, if you want to know more about Viva Connections, get us started extending that. That that is a perfect event for you to join. It's only live. I don't think we're recording that. So, and it's in European evening, uh, American, depending where where in America you are, is going to be throughout the day. So it's very cool um, chance for you to learn more about Viva, extending that, and seeing some cool demos.
there's at least two sessions. There's Power Apps and Azure DevOps pipelines, and then there's the KEDEX started with your connections with a really cool sample as well. So. Yeah, and I guess the first one will be in Dutch because it is by a Dutch speaker for that a Dutch user group. That is true. But ours will be in English unless you, I, you will take a day I, to learn Dutch. Yeah, it's pretty late for that. So it's it's <laughs> you have 48 hours. You can learn Dutch in 48 Fine. hours. How hard Come can on. it be, right? <laughs> sure. Famous less words. <laughs> but cool. That's all we're going to do this week. Anything interesting on your table uh, for this week? Yes. Uh, speaking in engagement today as we publish this event, speaking in engagement on Wednesday, um, other than that, planning, uh, ongoing partner engagements, um, and basically trying to think more about what are the things we could do, where could we make a difference, and making plans make around that. Make a dent. How do we make a make dent? dent? Yes, ma making dents. Just as, don't just make things happen, make a dent so that people notice that. So, um, yeah, so for us, uh, SharePoint Framework 1.13.1 is coming out relatively soon. That's just a small uh, hiccup on the dialogue uh, uh, framework. So that's going to be fixed in 1.13.1. You don't have to actually update 1.13.1 unless there's a problem related on, on dialogue explicitly. Uh, 1.14 for SharePoint Framework is coming out as a beta, I think, this week as well. Uh, so that's actually pretty cool. cool. As a beta, early, early beta. Again, it's not intended to go live by end of this calendar year, but it's good that we're getting it out for public consumption. And that has a lot of cool new stuff av uh, available. Uh, and a lot of, lot of planning uh, related on Viva stuff as well, and and uh, a lot of other interesting stuff as well, which we can't talk about yet, so. <laughs> so excited. No idea. I'm so excited. <laughs> cool. Um, I think that sums up today. So thank you, uh, Royna, one more time for joining us. And uh, that was a really great uh, discussion um, and, a, and a nice new perspective on the on the development. And it's good to have somebody completely new in the company also to share her uh, views and visions and exper exper experience expertise on how we can improve things. So really cool. And thank you, Valdek. And thank you, Vesa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back with the new weekly within a week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody.